Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, as always, Tim Whitaker, joined here by my co-host, Rob McMichael. Hello, Rob. Hello, Timmy. Wow. You're obviously energetic today. Oh, I am. Anyway, um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We have a jam-packed episode for you guys today. (laughs) Jam-packed. Oh, there's so many things. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's been about a month, actually, since our last episode uh, was recorded. No, since it was posted. Oh, posted. Okay. It was posted on March 6th. We are recording on April 6th, which, for all of our listeners, now you realize how long it takes us to post them, because this is going to be posted on, like... January 12th, 2018. (laughs) Well, one of our commitments, hopefully going forward, is we're going to try and be a little more consistent. We're hoping to aim for a bi-weekly schedule because um, it's just good to do. And I enjoy podcasting. It's it's fun. Um, Obviously, life can get in the way sometimes, but I think that this is important enough for both of us, Rob, to continue to do. so. Absolutely. And I think we'd like to have more guests on and get other people involved and engaged. And Yeah. Kinda. No, for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, Rob, thanks for coming on and having and co-hosting with me, as always. Oh, Appreciate it's my it. pleasure. Thank you, Rob. You're a good friend. I try to be. You put up with a lot. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You are not such a good friend. <laughs> um, let's hop right into it. A couple things. Let's get some, uh, some uh, housekeeping stuff out of the way. Number one, the coffee that we're drinking, Rob. Look, we're lazy about coffee. We've been very, very lazy. We made what I had in my in my kitchen. Well, part of that, though, is that you don't have a grinder and that most of my coffee I have is a grinder. Oh, you do? Yep. Uh, well, I came right from work. That's but my other not, excuse. It's not the right grinder. You'd... It's a blade grinder. Yeah. Any of my coffee <laughs> aficionados out there understand that a burr grinder is the best way to ground your coffee. Well, I didn't to grind have, your coffee. I didn't have grinding. any coffee aficionados when I ordered them and, on Amazon. Uh, actually, at the time I was living with you, and I mentioned a burr grinder. I wasn't listening. Okay, <laughs> clearly not. But I mean, listen, I'm not saying blade is like. Listen, it, it, if it's between me chopping beans up with a knife and a blade grinder, I'll take a blade grinder. You know, but if I can avoid it, I will. So we're drinking Dunkin' Donuts. We're not going to lie. I wish we could say that we're some really smart you know, intelligent, like, you know, coffee experts, but sometimes we're not. But I will tell you, Rob, I've been, um, I picked up the Wegmans brand coffee. Mm-hmm. It's actually surprisingly good. The specialty or mm. is it like a specialty flavor or is no, it just a regular? No, it's a regular roast. Um, I grind it every morning fresh and then I brew it in the morning. Um, it's been very good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I love Wegmans. This is... This podcast is sponsored by Wake. Let's talk about that for one quick second. So Sarah and I are working on our food budget because it's just it's just uh, kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, so we talked about food budget the other night. Yes, and you were we did saying oh we spend too much money and we said oh we normally spend like four or five hundred dollars. Let me tell you how much money we actually spent in grocery in the month of March. Oh 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 wait, wait. so you're saying that what you told me was not accurate. Well, we hadn't we hadn't computed for March yet. <laughs> okay. March was $900 on groceries? Yes, on groceries. Okay. I do feel better <laughs> about that though because okay, so for everyone out there listening, so Rob um his wife and uh, my wife and myself, we're all hanging out. So me, Sarah, Rob, and Julia. And we're talking about just normal stuff. And I asked him, I said, hey, how much do you guys spend on groceries a month? Because in March, our grocery bill, we, we were way over our budget. And we didn't really feel like we spent, like, we didn't feel like our, our refrigerator and our pantry matched the amount of money that we spent on groceries. And we ended up throwing produce and stuff away that went bad, which of course drives me nuts. And Rob and Julia, well, mainly Rob, was like, oh, I think we spent like 400 bucks 
maybe tops a month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how much we spend. Only you have two kids. Like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> Turns out, though, you spent more than double that. Yeah. So, so, so we were a little off. And, uh, well, well, we're keeping better track of our grocery spending this month. So I'll let you know at the end of April. Uh, just exactly well, how we're doing. Let me tell you, Rob, because you you and Julia convinced Sarah and I to, to try Wegmans, so we did, and we pulled out a hundred dollars in cash for the week. And I said, Sarah, I think we can do a week's worth of groceries off of a hundred bucks in cash because our budget's four hundred dollars for the month. You must have been listening to Dave Ramsey. Oh yeah, I'm a big Dave Ramsey <laughs> believer. <laughs> there it He's is. He's been amazing. Anyway, so we thought it out. We made a list. We got thirty three items for ninety five dollars. That is pretty good. We did great. We and all our food for the week is made. It's all in our. It's all in Tupperware containers at the house. And I'll tell you what. It's all, tomorrow's Friday. We still have plenty of food left from that shopping trip on Saturday. So I'm 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 pretty impressed with myself. I'm also impressed with my wife who went shopping. She did a great job. So anyway, small side note for that. But everyone out there, budget your money and do the cash system. It is the best way to do it. I'm a huge believer in that. So. Am I right? Yeah, you are right. Rob, what do you got for us in this episode? What's going on? Oh, we got lots going on. Sorry, Tim. Thank you for adjusting my mic. You're welcome. People want to hear your beautiful voice. All right, what do you got? Oh, sorry. Let's move. All right. So uh, you've already went through the news. Well, you gave away some of our news already in the podcast. I did. Uh, We're trying to get a little more consistent. Yes. Uh, we're looking at some upcoming contests that we can do, um, get some engagement, get some uh, stuff out there. That would be good. I, I like free stuff. Yeah, so we'll, and, and I think our listeners will like some free stuff. You know what stuff. would be cool? If we can get a roast named after us, like a certain coffee roast. Mm, we should look into that. I agree. So anyway, side note, but okay, yep, so we're would, working uh, on... Would there be some theology sprinkled in it? I have no idea. S- some nodes of... No. No. Holy water? We can have like a priest bless Ooh. it. <laughs> and then we can have a Jewish rabbi bless it as kosher. kosher. Oh my gosh. This is good. This is this will be great. All right. All right. So uh, other than that, on the agenda. So Tim, I don't have a TV. Okay. We have Netflix. Yes. But the other day I log on to Facebook, trusty old Facebook where I get all of my happening news. Yes. Trending now. And... All over my Facebook is Pepsi. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love Pepsi. (laughs) I had no idea there was a controversy about a Pepsi commercial. There was. Tim, why don't you speak to us about this Pepsi commercial? So I wake up probably the same day you did, and I see my Facebook, you know, how Facebook has that little, like, trending now section, and it's Pepsi for this crazy controversial ad that caused all this backlash, and apparently Pepsi even pulled it. And it was featuring, what's her name, Jennifer? Uh, Jen- Kendall, Je- Kendall-, Kendall Jenner. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know her name, but whatever. This Kendall Jenner girl. I, I think she's one of the Kardashians. Is that correct? Yeah, Jenner, because Bruce Jenner is a married, the Kardashian, married to right. the Kardashian. Right, okay, yeah. So whatever. it must be one of well, Someone Bruce who Caitlin's. gets paid just to be famous, right? So I see all over, I mean, there's news articles everywhere from both conservatives and and liberals, okay? Conservatives are saying that the ad is anti-cop. Liberals are saying that it makes light of the Black Lives Matter movement. It makes it and trivializes it. And I'm thinking, wow, this commercial must be like just super terrible. What was Pepsi thinking? So I find the full commercial, all two minutes and 40 seconds of it, and I watch it. And I keep watching, and I'm waiting for like this super like 
A, I'm waiting for this super like anti-Trump moment that Pepsi, you know, threw in there. Then I'm waiting for like this super like anti-Black Lives Matter movement that Pepsi put in there. And I'm watching and nothing really happens. I mean, the the it's pretty much like the commercial, if you haven't seen it, is always different like groups, religious groups, um, different ethnicities, all mm-hmm. kind of on like a like marching, like the protest something, but it's a pretty like upbeat, happy kind of protest. Yeah. And then they come up to a line where there's like three police officers, and that's where Jenner gets a Pepsi and hands it to a cop, pretty much. And the cop opens up the Pepsi, he smiles, he drinks, everyone cheers. And on the surface, I'm like, oh, Pepsi's trying to say, like, hey, we can all be unified under our brand, which is what a company is supposed to do. Yeah, and they get I, pay. They make money by advertising and saying, "Listen, we support all these different things, and you'll be, life is better with our product." That's what what they get paid, or that's what they pay people to say about their product, right? right. Like for instance, Coca Cola used to have an ad where it was like an MMA fighter in a corner, and he drank a Coke to keep fighting, which we know is totally not healthy and terrible. And if, if that was reality, he would have thrown up all over the place. But it's a commercial, and we expect it to be, you know, not real. Pretty outlandish. Outlandish, okay? Anyway, so here's what I did, though, because I like being fair to people, and, and I if people are really offended, I want to know why. Kind of, and, and here's what I'm saying. Back in, the, uh, back in the day, there was an artist who came out who took um, a statue of Jesus in a crucifix and dipped it in urine and kept it in there. Really, in my opinion, as a Christian, very offensive, right? And if, and if if I saw that, I would tell that artist probably, hey, this is pretty offensive to me. And I would hope that the artist would want to know why. Maybe he's not offended, but maybe he would be he would want to hear my perspective. So I talked to a few friends of mine and I asked them, I said, hey, can I ask you a question? Like, just because I don't know, you know, when you saw this ad, was it offensive to you? Like, please explain to me if it really was because I'm just not seeing it. And I'm not trying to make light of the situation. If there's a perspective that I'm not seeing, by all means, enlighten me. Most of them really were like, yeah, it's kind of overblown. One of my friends who, um, who's in the African-American community, kind of mentioned that it kind of trivializes like the Black Lives Matter movement and kind of the idea of protesting. I said, well, I understand that. But even he agreed like the, it was pretty like the backlash was so big. Anyway, I don't know. It was one of those things where I feel like the mob mentality of our culture kind of got the best here and was like, we don't want this. And like the majority rules kind of mentality and everyone kind of hops on the bandwagon. But what was interesting was just how both sides were mad at Pepsi for two totally different reasons. Right. <laughs> and, and that almost tells me it was a very good commercial. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it offended everyone. I mean, uh, listen, if, if okay, remember the Beauty and the Beast controversy about the gay character, and people were trying to boycott. Yeah, there was a gay moment, right? Well, everyone who saw the movie, including my wife, were they said to me, "You would never know it was a gay moment unless you were looking for it." And I kind of feel like that's how it was with the Pepsi commercial. Like, unless you were looking to find this moment that was anti whatever. On the surface, you wouldn't really see it that way. You would just think, oh, Pepsi's trying to say that they support all um, um, sexual lifestyles, all ethnicities, all religions, and that we can unite under Pepsi, which is pretty dumb, but it's it's a brand. I get it. And when I was when I first saw the commercial, which Tim just showed it to me, I'd never seen the full commercial, when you listen to the lyrics of the back music, yes, what what they're saying is our generation is known for you know unifying for a common cause. And that's what I thought this commercial was about. I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of cool." Like they're they're labeling our generation as the unifying. And like, then our generation says, "No, <laughs> throw it out the window. This is terrible." But they did it unified. That's true. They were unified against the commercial. Correct. So Pepsi had a point. It just worked against them. Yeah. 
So, well, everyone's talking about Pepsi, so maybe it worked for them. I don't know. Maybe it will. I like I said. I think it's one of those like social media, just like let's rant about something, you know. Meanwhile, might I add, while this is going on, uh, kids in Syria are getting literally suffocated to death by by chemical warfare, and that's you know. Uh, no, don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever. Tim, but, Tim, don't get real on us. Yeah, no, I don't want to get too real. But um, anyway, yes, yeah, so that's the commercial. Now, if you're listening to this and it's like a year from now or ten years from now, which is today's date? Today, the year is 2017. We'll just keep it there. Um, I'm sorry you had to listen to that, but if you look at YouTube and search, you know, Jenner Pepsi commercial, I'm sure it's still there with tons of views, and you can see how terrible it was. So. <laughs> I, I, I just like feel like sometimes when we talk about topical things, I think like, well, in 10 years from now, people are going to laugh that we had this conversation. Well, in 10, I hope in 10 years from now, people are going to laugh at the amount of time we spent talking about Donald Trump and yes. Hillary Clinton. Hopefully they do. I hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll be like, they were right. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Hmm. And no one will, all 10 listeners will be like, they were right. <laughs> yeah, it's your story. Anyway. All right, Rob. So we got that out of the way. Um, what else you got? Uh, so I, I brought this up to Tim earlier this week about something I, I would like to talk on the podcast. And I, I brought it up because it's something that I am not a hundred percent concrete and, uh, I can go either way on this issue, but you put it on your Facebook feed, uh, this week and you got a lot of backlash, some support. Uh, you had a lot of discussion on that on that Facebook post. I did. Um, I posted an article by our good friend now because he's been, he's been on the podcast, so I can oh, say that he's a great friend of ours, <laughs> uh, Shane Claiborne, who posted an article that he wrote, um, and the title is "Arkansas is set to start executing eight people the day after Easter." So it's about the death penalty, something that Shane's been pretty passionate about. And honestly, when we had him on the podcast, it definitely was pretty eye opening to me to hear with like hear him talk about these stories and just like different situations. He gave me a copy of his book, Executing Grace. I've been reading that. It's been it's been pretty uh, honestly for me eye opening, you know, um, for sure. So, um, okay, I'll edit that out. Sorry, uh, yeah, we thought that Rob's child was in need of him, but he wasn't. He's just crying for no reason. Uh, he's just talking. You're a good father. All right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the matter at hand here. So he posts this article, and it's, it's good. In my opinion, it's a great article. It's all about just how like Arkansas, which is in the heart of the Bible Belt, uh, who has a Christian governor, is getting ready to execute eight people like the day after Easter, like in 10 days, they're executing eight people. And his point is pretty much saying that as Christians, shouldn't we be for second chances and shouldn't we be for grace? And also more importantly, shouldn't we be against death? Now, he, I want to make a very big point here that he's not against justice. In fact, in his book, he opened up by um, reading the stories um, of people who Whose, fan, you know, whose loved ones were murdered and them speaking out against the death penalty. So he's not against justice. He understands that part. But his point is that as Christians, shouldn't we be against the death penalty? Rob, what do you think? This is where I'm stuck. I, I have read things from both sides and I am not sure where I land on this issue. All right, well, give me the, the thought process in your head. On, on what part are you for the, the, the death penalty? And I want, again, I want to make the distinction, not against justice, but the death penalty. Right. This is purely capital punishment. Right. Um, so in some aspects, and I know you're going to hammer this right away, 
there is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Obviously, we're in the day of grace. We're not in the day of law. We are no longer bound by the law. But at some point in time, God defined that there is a time and a place where the death penalty is right. So, I can't wholeheartedly say it's unbiblical to say uh, the death penalty is completely unbiblical. That it would be wrong because the death penalty is in the Bible. And then when you come to the New Testament, as the Lord did with many other things of the Old Testament law, he says, the law says this, but I tell you this. The law says this, but I tell you this. He didn't say the law tells you to capital punish, that it's for capital punishment, but I tell you, love your neighbor. That, that wasn't one of his points. So I can understand where there's not a concrete black and white statement where the Lord says, do not, if you follow me, then you cannot be for capital punishment. He was actually in support of the government. So that's that side of it. Okay. I'm not saying it's strong, but then there's the other side of it where the Lord has his teachings of show mercy, love your neighbor, love others as yourself, show grace. And so when you come face to face with the teachings of the Lord and the idea and the principle of the matter, capital punishment seems like a very hefty weight to throw around, especially as Christians when we say there is sanctity of life. There from as Shane would say, from womb to tomb. So I also say with those people that would side with that view, I understand. You say God has given life. Who is man to take it away? I'm stuck. I, I really am stuck. Well, let's start here. Do you think that the words of Jesus, okay, like his teachings in the Bible, are really, they sum up, I think, you know, the law, the prophets, all of that. Like, I, In my opinion, if, if there's a tug of war between two parts of Scripture, whatever Jesus said wins for me. Does that make sense? Like, for instance, let's, let's use that, you know, the death penalty as an example. If the death penalty in the Old Testament under, you know, um, the um, Judeo law was one thing, but Jesus comes to fulfill the law and says, love your neighbor and to show mercy, I'm going to side with what Jesus said out of the two. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So for me, and I've been thinking a lot about this, I don't find the death penalty consistent with the teachings of Jesus. Now, again, that doesn't mean that I don't think justice is consistent. I don't think I don't think that that people should get off scot free. I don't think that someone who kills someone should just be given a little slap on the wrist and said, "Oh, well, we all make mistakes. It's no big deal." I'm not saying any of that. But the death penalty is us literally saying, "We're going to take your life into our own hands and we're going to kill you because you killed someone else." I don't think any good comes out of that. And from what I've been told, I've not been in the, in the situation. People, victims of those of those crimes, do not find justice or comfort when that person is murdered as well. They don't usually find the peace that they're looking for. Right. But it doesn't solve anything. And my other argument, I would say, is this. And this to me is a big one. Christians believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell, and most Christians believe that hell is forever and that you never can get out of it. When you're right. there, you're there, right? So if that's the case, and we are supporting a death penalty that sends potentially people who don't know Jesus to hell, we are literally sanctioning their damnation forever. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a humongous weight to bear. 
especially when at the cross, what does Jesus say about his murderers? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. That was that. That's not the words of just anyone. That's not the words of an apostle. That's the words of Jesus while he's being murdered to his executioners. He looks at him, them and says, "Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing." Or how about the, how about the thief on the cross? Perhaps he was a murderer, and Jesus, right there in that moment, today you'll, you'll be with me in paradise. So, I, what I think is that, you know, we're all about being pro-life. We're all about being anti-abortion. I can't disagree. I'm in agreement. Mm-hmm. But when we get to the other side of it, all of a sudden the grace that we claim, I think, becomes cheap grace. Oh, well, what you did is so bad that we have to put you to death. There is no coming back from that. That is not the gospel. I mean, think about the gospel without any murderers. Think about the Bible without any murderers. There wouldn't be. No Moses, no David, no Paul. Those are like those are three of the biggest, in my opinion, some of those important authors, especially Paul. He wrote almost the entire New Testament. Right. Think about where we would be if he killed someone and then he was put to death right away. There'd be no Bible. So to me, I can't find justification as a Christian to support the death penalty. I just can't do it. And I think it's a major problem for Christians because when you look at the teachings and words of Jesus, all his teachings are Blessed are the merciful, you know, blessed are these, blessed is that. Do not repay evil for evil. I mean, again, I understand and I can hear people saying, well, Tim, there's a difference between the state's job and the Christian's job. I don't disagree. In the Romans, um, Paul says that the governing authority is there for a reason, right? Right. They don't bear the sword for nothing. But I don't think he's talking about a literal sword that chops people's heads off. That's not the Mm -hmm. point. I think what Paul's saying is that the government is there to serve justice. That's a big difference than just executing people. Will all you know all kind of just just sporadically because of certain crimes that they deem you know punishable by death. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah, and the I I just don't know. I by the end of this podcast, I need to be decided on this issue. This is what, <laughs> what we've decided. I I just don't understand. I'm just I don't understand how the how a Christian could be so in favor of murdering someone else because it goes against the, the the grace that we were given as Christ followers. On Sunday morning we sing about how grace abounds and how great his love is for us. Then we turn around and say, "Oh, you did this? It's beyond forgiveness. Death." That's not consistent. Radical grace is radical grace in my opinion. It has to extend to everyone. If Hitler met Jesus at, met Jesus at the end of his life, he'd be in heaven. I believe that. As crazy and as almost, you know, even for me to say that sounds crazy in my head, right? I'm pulling right. the Hitler card right away. We're going right there. But in my opinion, if he at right before his last breath had a true change of heart and repentance, that's how crazy the lo- I think God's love is for humanity that he would forgive him. As right. crazy as that is. Right, because that, that's what the scripture teaches us, right? That there is no, uh, we can get into a theological debate about this, but there yeah. is no sin that is unforgivable. Right, right. Because the then point. we would say, oh no, Jesus' blood is limiting. I mean, it can cover most sins, but not that one. Right. Right, and that's what I don't get, you know, especially you know in this in this case after Easter in the heart of the Bible Belt, which Shane calls the Death Belt. I can't disagree. Most most executions happen in that area. Yeah. So totally. the day after we celebrate our our God conquering death and and giving hope to everyone, we're going to murder eight people because of their crimes. Mm-hmm. It's not consistent at all. It's completely a double. It's it's a double sided view, and. It goes against the the institution of what prisons and penitentiaries were set up to be. They were they were really set up to be correctional facilities, right? Where okay, you did a crime, 
we want you to sit here and think about what you did and be remorseful for it. So that way, when you are put back into society, then you have a change of mind. That's right. Does it? Obviously, it's not working that way because the the whole system is broken. But we're saying, no, you don't get that chance. You, what you did was too bad. You're out. Right. And again, I think that there's a big difference between living in a society that does that and then actively supporting it. Does that make sense too? Like yeah. As, when, when, when you become known for those things, oh, that person deserves this as a Christian, you mar your own testimony. Because again, it's not in line with the teachings of the guy that you're claiming to follow. It's just not. It's not our duty as Christians is for sure to live in our country and to as much as we can submit to the governing authorities. But my goodness, like <laughs> that goes out the window real quick when it's abortion or when it's homosexual marriage. All of a sudden, we're supposed to fight the government. But with the death penalty, well, the sword, you know, the government's here. They have the sword for a reason. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. When is that all of a sudden your argument? It's not for anything else that you deem immoral. Right. Right. But for this, because you agree with it, now we're going to use scripture to back up. You know why it's a good idea. It's it's just not. It doesn't it doesn't fix anything. Killing someone else because they killed does not solve or take back the life that was already taken. Mm-mm. It just continues that cycle. It, yeah, it continues the trend, right? Which if we're gonna get real spiritual about it, I think the enemy loves the more people that that the enemy can get to before death. I think the better off he feels like he is, right? right. So when we when we facilitate that cycle of death. What are, who are we really siding with when you think about it, right? The whole point of the cross, Jesus makes a spectacle out of it. He conquered the Romans' worst way of killing someone. He was, he was put to death on it. He, then he rose from the grave. That's why we celebrate Easter. He made a spectacle of death. He showed that as Christians, we have hope through death, right? right. But when it comes to the, to the death penalty because of what someone did, all of a sudden there's no hope for that person. That's, that's essentially what we're saying. We're, unless we're saying, well... You know, if they receive Jesus, you know, they have a chance to do it. I just think you're in such, you're in such, um, you know, thin ice at that point, as far as like, what do you do with that? That, that, that kind of mentality, you know, I see I mean, you're thinking I, I, real hard. I am definitely leaning from the beginning of the podcast. I was, I'm leaning towards the, the stand of not supporting the death penalty. And it's for all of those reasons that you just stated. It we we can't sit here and say we're Christians and love grace, except for that guy. Right. And I I've always felt very queasy. I don't know if that's the right word about man taking the responsibility to administer right. death. I feel like that that's the same argument we use against abortion. Right, but we say, well, the baby didn't do anything, but this person did. Great, I, it doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah? They're still a human being made in the image of God. Right. Bottom line, their actions don't determine their worth as far as God's concerned. In that in that context, they're still made in God's image. If we can't give life, maybe we shouldn't be the ones taking it away. <laughs> Just and, a thought. And and all of the examples that people use, um, in support of the death penalty, you know. New Testament example, um, when the couple lied to the Holy Spirit and they were struck dead. Well, great. That was divine judgment. That was 100% accurate. (laughs) Right, right. Our justice system is not 100% accurate. Well, that's another great point, Rob. Think about the people who were 
put to death that we're not supposed to be put to death. There's a lot of mistakes that go on in that process. Many times people on death row, especially with DNA evidence, get acquitted or new evidence comes out. Those are people that we would have put to death that were in this term, in this context, innocent. Right. That's a very big deal. Right. And I, I think at some point the officials that were over that case or presided or whatever will be held responsible for that position that they had. Absolutely. But yeah, I I think as a as a Christian people, I don't, I don't see how we can be in support of that. I think I'm leaning far, farther and farther with you. I I, I wish uh, we asked our friend Kyle to come on tonight. Kind of last minute, he couldn't make it on. That was totally my fault. But I would love to have mom because I know that he's pretty pro death penalty. But he's also well, I don't want to speak for him, but I believe that he is in support of it. Uh, probably in extreme cases, but he's a really well thought out guy. He, you know, he knows his theology, so he'd be great to have on. Um, but I just can't see. I just find Jesus always being a problem for that for that position. Because mm-hmm. when you look at Jesus, the one that we're that we're claiming to follow, the one that we believe was a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God, what he says about this stuff is not in favor of murdering people. It's just not. The woman at the, uh, who was caught in adultery. That, right, I was just going to bring her. There up. it is. There's capital punishment about to happen. I mean, literally, they have the stones in hand, and Jesus says, whoever's without sin, throw that first stone. I mean, that's his response to capital punishment. Is anyone here sinless? Um, Go ahead and do it then, if you're sinless. Which, interestingly enough, he could have thrown the first stone. (laughs) That's a great point. I never even thought about that. But he didn't. He He was the only one there qualified to throw the stone. And instead, he kneeled down and wrote something in the sand. What it, what it was, we'll ask her when we get to heaven. Right. And instead of showing her, this is the hard line of law, you have done this, you deserve to, to be put to death. No, he showed her grace. And he said, go and sin no more. Exactly. Exactly. I, I also find that there's more of a, of a potential for real healing when the... the the criminal, the person who's, who's guilty is alive and able to heal and then have that family heal. There's been stories of people who have actually reconciled, um, become friends, and the family's advocated on behalf of the criminal for not using the death penalty in his case, which is crazy to think about. But that's the kingdom, that's the kingdom mindset. It flips the whole world system on its head, and it says, actually, this family is going to love this criminal through it, and that criminal is going to come to know Jesus, and then that criminal is going to fight on behalf of that criminal who maybe murdered whoever, you know, their loved one, to not be put to death. Right. I, I, I can't think of the exact example, but there, how, how much greater would it be Say something horrible happens and Julia is murdered. And I show up at the courtroom not to say, I want this man put to death, I want justice, but to look him straight in the eye and say, I forgive you. Right. What would be more Christ-like? Right. What's a bigger testimony? Yeah. Well, think about, do you remember the Amish uh, shootings that happened? Yes, I was going to bring that up next. Would you stop? Get out I'm of sorry. my mind. Rob, I'll give it to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring it up. But Because uh, Julia read that book and she really enjoyed that book, but it was... You know, the this man who his wife didn't even know, this man went and went into an Amish school and shot it up and killed I don't I don't remember how many people it was. Um but after the happenings, the Amish community came out and was like a huge support to that family, even though her husband had just ransacked and completely destroyed their lives and and affected them in huge ways. They came out and they supported her. 
and they offered her help and they were cooking her meals and they were doing all of these things and it, it that to me was if if the Amish can do that why as Christians aren't we doing that it uh, I just so here's what this article says the Amish community responded in a way that many found surprising they forgave the shooter and in the years since they have grown close to his family okay um and um i'm reading just about like you know um i believe it's his mother so the guy his name is charlie charlie roberts he killed five children and then he injured five others then he killed himself right and the amish community instead of saying good or we're not talking to the family forgives him befriends the family and then they find real healing on both sides Mm -hmm. the mother finds healing and they actually become close over time which is i mean think about how much more of a testimony is that to god's love to god's grace to the grace that we talk about every sunday morning that we sing all these songs about that's a real version of when real grace hits the road you know that that's when things that are so terrible that 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 the family of those children is so in the right to not forgive and to want justice, and they say we forgive him and we want to we want to help you the the family of the shooter heal through this process as well. Think about that for a second. It, it flies in the face of conventional conventional wisdom, and I think that's where Christians have gotten a little swept up in just the mentality of our culture of just the eye for an eye tooth for a tooth you know real justice 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 is punishment and it's not healing but justice can be both justice can be both full of consequences right and also healing and listen the the families who who have befriended you know um the criminals you know who have murdered their, their loved ones don't expect or don't want i think that person to get out of jail anytime soon but that doesn't stop them from still helping that person heal in certain cases and it's it's right. super powerful when it happens right they're they're not just in for i i want my anger to be appeased i i want my my scale of right and wrong to be re-leveled because they realize that's not going to happen here um one of the other examples that just came to my mind was the Lord at his leading up to the crucifixion. Right. So it was a yearly habit that um, they would release a prisoner. And so trying to desperately to get them to release Jesus because Pilate knew this man has done nothing wrong. I, I can't hang him. Right. He says, all right, well, I'll put up this murderer Barabbas. They're definitely going to pick Jesus over the murderer. And Jesus could have said, no, pick the murderer. I haven't done anything. He has. Even in that moment, Jesus takes the place of a murderer. Again, just like the woman who was found in adultery. Instead of the Lord administering the righteous judgment, which he had every legal and divine right to do. Right, right. He went to the cross. Right. And th- listen, this is not easy stuff, right? Especially in, in this day and age, we, we crave, as a society, we crave the word justice. I think we all have different definitions of what that means, but we crave that, right? When someone gets murdered or, I mean, think about in, in, a, uh, in Syria right now, right, with those children. We want justice. We're like, who did this? And they need to be put out of their misery, like, immediately. That that Because we, we, we see what's happening, right? But... Then this crazy thing called grace comes in, and as a Christian, how do you advocate for justice with grace? I think you can do both. I think it's so possible. Listen, I don't think anyone should be, you know, 
get out of jail free or you know i'm not saying we're i don't think anyone on that side is saying that right but what we are saying is that as christians we are called to always be the people of second chances and healing and forgiveness and to give people every opportunity to to participate in that before they leave this world so to be you know like um to be someone who perpetuates or who helps the cycle of the death penalty, you're not helping, you're not advancing the kingdom mindset, I think, that we're called to advance, even as difficult as that can be at times. I'm not saying, you know, it's definitely it's definitely not easy for sure, but it's necessary as Christ followers. It's where our faith really hits the road, or uh, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. You know, we can, we can say all these nice words, we can say we love Jesus, we can say we're so grateful for his grace, but if we're not giving grace to others, if we're not advocating for, you know, for grace for others, what good is it? You know, it's so, it's hypocritical, frankly, that's what it is. And even you go to the Old Testament law and you see how, how careful they even were in the Old Testament about administering capital punishment. It was, okay, that's great. You have some circumstantial evidence. You need two or at least two witnesses to say this is 100% what happened before even in the law it was administered so they were very very careful as this this isn't just hey he said she said we're going to kill you because that's what we believe happened right it was it had to be a proven fact and then even after that you come to ezekiel and what does the lord say about capital punishment about the death of the wicked he says i take no pleasure in the death of the wicked so there are plenty of Christians who have cried, yes, so-and-so has been put to death. The Lord says, I take no pleasure in that. But he says, I would much rather that they turn from their wicked ways and go on living. Which is, that's the Lord with the woman who committed adultery. Right. So I think there's a consistency there for sure. I think it's an appropriate topic at this time of the year. We're recording right around the Easter season, so to speak, and this is, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night. I was over at his house for uh, Steak Wednesday, um, which is amazing. He He's a big steak guy, so he picked up some dry age. Is like, he looking for new friends? Yes, I can invite you over, but it's during, you work during those hours usually. It was like one o'clock. One o'clock, like in the afternoon? Yeah. Steak at one o'clock in the afternoon. Dude, absolutely. Anyway, so I'm over, I'm over there and we're talking and we were mentioning just kind of like, you know, Easter coming up and he said that to him. Easter is almost, well, to him, Easter is the most important holiday that as a Christian we celebrate. Oh, yeah, Because absolutely. even more than, than Christmas, even though culturally I think Christmas is bigger, you know, financially and stuff. But as far as like the Christian, Easter, without Easter, there is no faith in my opinion, right? And he's he was telling if me that. If Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain. You are still in your sins. That's what, that's what the <laughs> right. Apostle Paul said. That pretty much sums it up, right? <laughs> so it was interesting because he was telling me just, you know, to him, it get, he gets frustrated when he has to go to either like, you know, people's houses that maybe aren't Christians and they just treat Easter as kind of like Easter baskets and eggs. And he's like, no, as a Christian, this is like, this is what my this whole, is it. my whole faith is based off of celebrating this day, the resurrection. <laughs> Cause without that, we really have no hope as humanity. I mean, that, that's the Christian belief, you know? So I think that, that this really fits into that mentality really well, because we're, what we're saying on Easter is that there's hope beyond the grave and that, you know, Christ, he, 
conquered death, and that death is not of God. It's not a healthy thing. It was never designed to be this way, and that's why we have the faith that we have, you know, because there's hope after death. There's hope after we leave this earth because we have Jesus who lived a you know, perfect life and died on the cross and fulfilled all the scripture. So I, I just find that the death penalty topic, it fits so well with that because that's what we're celebrating in a couple of weeks from now, we're celebrating that yes, there, the death penalty, the death penalty for all of us. There's hope beyond that, right? And I love what the Apostle Paul says in First Corinthians 15. It's better in the King James, just because of the wording of it. Typical. <laughs> it's probably best in the message. Uh, we'll read both. Okay. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I, you got to say that's very good. Very good word. It is. It but is. What it what it means is we are of all men to be most pitied. Like, look at these Christians. They've wasted their life living a good moral life when they could have had the pleasures of sin right. for a season. Right. And that's because we have a hope that is greater than even this life because of the resurrection, like you were just stating. Because Christ is risen, this isn't it. This is this is just the beginning. This is preparation for the life to come. Now read the message version. Let's compare oh, notes. The, message. the best version. The oh, most holy version. That's here under the heretical section. Nah. You're obviously on the wrong website. <laughs> what are you on, johnpiper.com or something? <laughs> I don't even think it has the message on this one. What? What are you on, Bible Gateway? Bible Hub. Oh, Bible Hub. I, what, don't, listen, buddy. What's the verse? I'm not, I'm not biblical or, or Christian-like. <laughs> First Corinthians fifteen nineteen. Okay, let me look this up real quick because I have it on the right version. Fifteen nineteen, you said. Yeah. Hold on one sec. I I am. Yeah. Don't worry, I got it right here. Oh, I have more versions than you do on this website. Um, where is <laughs> <laughs> where's the, oh there it is the message. Okay, if corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark, as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and the resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. So I, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's a, it's a very modern like right version of what you just read, yeah. which is the point. But yeah. no, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, I'm, yeah, yeah, some, yeah. I, I get so frustrated because we commercialize so much, but for, even for me, and I'm a little, I can be a little jaded, I think, to certain holidays like Christmas, like, okay, birth of Jesus, I get it. But for me, Easter is like almost sacred, you know, like, no, this is when like, without this, without recognizing the resurrection and celebrating this, I really have no faith. Like all the work I do at church, uh, life, all the community stuff I do, all the podcasting that we're doing, it's really not worth anything if the resurrection didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Period. <laughs> absolutely zero. Right. Because, yeah, you might as well live for yourself if the resurrection never happened. Exactly. Live for enjoyment now. Don't. But what the scripture teaches us is there is a there is a day coming where this life will end and then comes eternity. This life was preparation for that. Yeah. And it's it's like the old adage that, you know. Everyone says you should use this when talking to an atheist. If if you're wrong, or if I'm wrong, oh, yeah, yeah. I've just wasted my life, and okay, I'm to be pitied. If you're wrong, 
you'll be in hell for all of eternity. Right. So there, there is, there is reason for us. Sure. For to live the way we do now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it all ties together for sure. It's all connected. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So, so my my question though now, I think I I think I've decided that I am pro life, womb to tomb. Thank you, Shane. Solid. I've joined the pro life movement. You're a big liberal now. That's what you are. You're a big hippie. So that's that's where I'd like to get to now in our discussion. How far is too far? Scripturally speaking. You know, Shane is very outspoken. He's been arrested for um, preaching against the death penalty and preaching for rights. How far is too far? Should we should we be actively involved in the political system and and going against the government in that way? Or it, I that's my question. My answer Where is one hundred percent absolutely. He, he, Christians are already involved in politics. We know that. It's very clear. They help get Trump elected, right? We're, it's just a fact. There's no way around that. So it, the question isn't should we be involved? It's it's how should we be involved and what things should we, should we either fight for or fight against, right? Many Christians fight against abortion. It's a big you know, pain point of the Christian faith and our government right now. A lot of Christians have fought against, you know, redefining marriage um, between um, more than just one man and one woman coming together, right? But then on things like this, we're kind of silent on like, oh yeah, maybe I don't support it, but I certainly won't be outspoken. I'm not going to protest. I'm not going to, you know, go up to the to the Supreme Court steps and, and protest peacefully. That's just way too extreme. But you know, Shane, and I'm using Shane because he's well known for this. He's inspired me a little bit to like, how do I show like respectful insubordination? <laughs> like, hey, like listen, I'm, I'm not going to wreck the property. I'm not going to torch people, uh, places. I'm not going to blow up buildings. But I'm also going to let you know that I don't. This is not okay. As a follower of Jesus, I'm called to stand against this. Period. You know, I think that's kind of where it, it has to get to. Um, I'm reading this book. Uh, what's the book called? I'm reading uh, True Truth, I think, or something. Or hold on, I have it here actually. I'm a good Christian. Yeah, it sounds like a really good book, Tim. It is. It's so good. I don't, it's so good. I don't even have true it on me. Truth. I think it's true truth or pursuing truth. I don't know. It's a really well done book, though. It's about how to um, how to engage like a relativistic culture as a Christian. It's super good. And one thing in the when they talk about politics, the author makes the point that like, listen, like not everyone has the right answer to this stuff. But you know, would you rather have some progress? and maybe have to compromise on some things or just all or nothing kind of mentality, you know? And I think it's the same kind of thing here where it's like, as Christians, I don't think we're ever going to have, well, I don't think, I know we're never going to have like a theocracy in our culture, which is a really good thing. The founders set it up purposely like that. And there's going to be, the law allows for more freedom than I think a lot of true followers of Jesus would would, would, would want to permit in their own personal lives. Right. Yeah. But that's the point of living in a free society is people are going to do things that we don't support. The, right, we can't mandate people into Christianity. Right, we would never. That's so. That's not the point anyway. Like, for instance, I would never want to outlaw premarital sex. I don't think it's realistic. Maybe on a moral level, I have objection to that. Right, but I'm. I can never say to non Christians, "Hey, I'm sorry, but uh, as long as I'm a lawmaker, you can't do this." Like, that's just <laughs> not. It's not fair to them. Right, because we live in an open society, in a free society. Right, right? but when it comes to thing like when it comes to things like the death penalty. And we're actually taking the life of people or abortion, for example, taking life at the other end of the womb. I think that as Christians, we can draw a line and say, listen, we can't support this this law, legal or not, 
because it goes against the the cores of the core values of what, what we believe that humans are made in the image of God. That you know that that they're made in that image, and that therefore it's not our right to take their life away. Does that make sense? No, I totally agree. Yeah, we can't. This this isn't a a moral issue. This isn't a oh, this is subjective. It's, it's, it's not. It's not a preference issue, right? Right. Um. I mean, even homosexual marriage, you can even kind of make the argument. I think you make the argument of saying, listen, like it's open society. Society. Maybe it's not my preference. Maybe I don't believe, think that that that's the best way for people to live. But I live in an open society that's not a Christian society, and they have a right to do that. That's that's a thing. But when it comes to life, taking away life. That's a whole different discussion because that's permanent. There's no going back from that. Right. You know, when you can't uncapital right. punishment. That's someone. right. Listen, when when a life is taken, whether it's in the womb, whether it's one month old, whether it's ten years old, a hundred years old, whether it's an innocent life that, aka, has done you know nothing wrong morally, or someone who's murdered someone, that life can never be taken back. Period. It's gone. There's not another one coming. That life is never coming back, right? So that's a really big deal. You can't bring that person back from the dead. So when it comes to issues of life and death, we have to be so careful with, with how we, we present ourselves because these are permanent decisions, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And, and and are we, like we've said previously, are we then going to, is it right to say, okay, our society is flawed and people are bought off and lawyers are paid to make fancy arguments in favor or support of wrongful people. Right. Are we saying that system is capable of administering divine judgment? In the sense of taking life away. Right. right. That's what we're no. saying. The answer is no. And by supporting the cap- the death penalty and supporting these kind of laws and and uh, processes, we're saying, no, that our system is capable of doing that. Right. We're not God, right? We say that all the time. Conservatives say that all the time. You know, oh, we're not God, or we can't play God, or, you know, whatever. And I'm in agreement. So why are we talking about killing people? Right. We're playing God. (laughs) Right. If we are going to tell a woman, you cannot terminate the life in your womb, then how can we turn around and say, oh, but government, please put that person to death because we don't like what they did. In our view, in, in our earthly view, in our temporary view, right, in our one-dimensional view, what this person did we think is worthy of their life being erased permanently from this earth, realize what you're saying. You're really playing a form of God, in my opinion, is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it, you know, and I think that that's on both sides, whether it's, like I said, whether it's an infant or it's, or it's a, an adult, there is no coming back from that. And huh. a discussion. There's just not. So how as Christians, when we talk about the love of Jesus and grace and forgiveness and restoration and healing, no matter how bad you know your sin is, I mean, how many times have we heard it for an altar call? God doesn't care what you've done. Just come to the cross and repent. That goes for people that do really terrible things. That we, that even me as a human can say, wow, like, I don't know how God can love that person. I mean, think about like, let's take like the worst of the worst, like a child molester, okay? Oh, that, that, even saying that word makes my skin crawl, right? If someone ever did that to my kid, I would want to, man, I would, I would want to send them to an early grave, right? (laughs) Right. I would, I just would. Like, it's so heinous what, what that, what, what that entails and, and how it affects children, right? Terrible things. And there should be justice, 100%. But murder? Man, I mean, what scripture tells me is that no one is beyond repentance and redemption and grace and healing as hard as that is for me to even say. It's the truth of what our faith teaches us. It's not an easy thing for me to say, 
right? But it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. What? What are you looking up? I see you typing away there on that computer. Yeah, there's, I can't think of his name, but he's a he's a very famous murderer. He's in a prison not far from here. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It's a very famous murderer. I mean, he's. I think he's in his at is least sixties, seventies. Oh, what is his name? Um, hold on. Let's take a look here. I'm looking. Google will tell me everything. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was hoping. I was hoping you'd you'd talk for like a little bit longer. Okay, um, trying to fill blank space. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. I don't really have much else to say without sounding like, sounding like a broken record. You know, I don't. I don't find the bottom line. What I'm saying is that you cannot point anywhere to Jesus and say death penalty is a good thing that we should have in our society. You just can't find it. You can try and take some scripture out of context. You can try and twist the Romans 13 argument that the governing authorities has the right to murder people, which I think is crazy. Um, but when you look at at the black and white or red letters of Jesus, you cannot find anywhere in the scripture he mentions or says the death penalty is a good idea and justice should be murder and he who murders shall be murdered. You can't find that anywhere in the words of Jesus. That's what I'm saying. David Berkowitz, son of Sam. Okay. You found the name. Yes. Okay. So very famous murderer, still alive. He actually is a Christian. He has a huge ministry in prison and it was in prison that he um, found God and he repented and he was saved and he now actually has spent his life and he he almost sees this as God's... God has turned his life, which was marked by murder, that's what everyone knows him for, and turned it into um, a uh, a badge of grace because now where he is, he can serve God. Where he is, in prison, for the rest of his life, he's never going to get out. Right. He can serve God and he can be a testimony for God. I, right. Well... He, but we're yeah. saying, no, no, no. He should have been killed. Right. If Death he was killed, him. he would have never come to know that grace. He would have never come to know the Lord. He wouldn't have had that influence on people around him. Right. Because we like being judge and jury when it's convenient for us, when it feels good. You know, we read story, we, we, we read the story of David all the time, right? At, at nauseum. David, Bathsheba, he killed her husband. I mean, think about what he did. Put that in a modern context, okay? David is some high-ranking political dude who's like the president of the United States. All right. He sees some chick naked taking a shower across like the white house lawn or something crazy. Who knows? He asked the secret service, who is that lady? Cause she's smoking. And you know, they say, Oh, she's this lady. She's married to whoever. And he goes, great. Bring her to me so I can have sex with her. That's pretty much what happens. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, let's say that was, you know, Trump or Obama, right? That's what happens. And then after that, she gets pregnant and then what he does is the person, you know, her husband is is like a top general in the army, and so he um, takes him to a couple parties, gets him drunk, maybe a few drugs. Says, "Listen, come back from battle, have a have a party, you know, hang out, go make love to your wife, just go ahead, you know, it's on me. Tax dollars at work, right? Our tax dollars being spent on this guy's outlandish, right. you know, party, right?" And so the guy goes, oh, "I wish I could, but I really can't. My men are out in the field. I got to go back there." And you know, Trump, we'll just say Trump or, or David, whoever, you know, says, no, 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 I insist for another night. 
Nothing happens. So then this guy, our president, gets his bright idea that, you know what? Let me put him on a mission on a solo helicopter by himself to go scout out some terrain in Afghanistan. And pull everyone else and back. And pull everyone back. And we'll let him, let, him, let him get shot down. We'll call him a war hero. And then our problem solved. Then I'll, I'll take I'll take that lady as my wife. And we'll just call it a day. That's what would you know, Imagine that story. Imagine that story on in our political climate right now. Imagine that. <laughs> Right, go and, over very well. Right, and then all this comes out that our tax dollars were spent on, you know, drugs and alcohol, maybe a strip club for all we know, right? All this terrible stuff. And on top of that, this woman's pregnant and our president had an affair in the Oval Office and he disgraced the presidency and he should be impeached. And, oh my gosh, this child's coming. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to bring the Messiah through your bloodline. <laughs> now, is there justice? Of course. His house was ruined forever, right? We know, we know yeah. that. There, were, there was definitely punishment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, his kids were... They make Game of Thrones look tame. I mean, there's rape going on. There's incestual rape going on. It's not healthy. It's not good. But through that bloodline comes Christ. Think about that. You know, but we don't put it in that context. We read these stories like, like, like it's a cute fairy tale. Like once upon a time, this guy named David pounced along. He made a little mistake, a little boo-boo. You know, he impregnated a woman and then killed her husband. <laughs> no big deal. You know, and then God used him. That just shows how great God's grace is until we bring it to modern day. Then all of a sudden, it's the death penalty doesn't make any sense it makes no sense it doesn't so now our next task is to get kyle or yes whoever assuming he's even in support maybe he was just playing devil's advocate that's true or someone who supports the death penalty and is very well spoken and thought out and we will bash them (laughs) no (laughs) i'm kidding we'll show them no grace no no. mercy (laughs) absolutely not Well, but I, I would yeah. like to hear someone because my thoughts were not very well thought out. It was very off the cuff. This is, it was an honest podcast, right? Which we you wanted need. to discuss it. Listen, the whole point of this podcast, Rob, is just to be real and transparent, right? We're not some professional podcasters. We don't have time to spend hours on show prep and just make everything sound like super thought out, like we're some geniuses. We're not. We're normal dudes who are married, who are just trying to live in New Jersey and just you know make sense of like how do we live the Christian life in a really tangible way and love our neighbor as ourselves as best as we possibly can. And why don't we record a few of our conversations and put them out there for the public? I mean, that's what we're doing, right? right. This isn't some like, you know, crazy high-end podcast. We're on your, we're on your kitchen table with some coffee, a couple mics, and here we are. That's the whole point, though. Like, it's purposefully, it's purposefully raw on purpose because that way you, the listener, know that people think are thinking this stuff they're, they're, they think about this stuff they're not always well spoken we're not always thought out yeah, this is you this know? is thought provoking is really what we're doing exactly we, and then we want people to say you know what after listening to it this is what i think this these are my thoughts that's the whole we've point. had a couple people write in and it's like those emails to us have been mind-blowing it's like yeah right you're listening to me oh god turn it off you know <laughs> i tell my friends i'm like honestly a podcast is more of my personal therapy Right. <laughs> it's just, it's more therapeutic. I can't handle it on we Facebook. We get to you know? work out our faith talking about this. That's the whole it, point. It, it works out. Yeah. So thanks everyone for tuning in. I mean, to another episode, we appreciate it. We're going to try and be more consistent as much as we possibly can. Um, we'll try and have the next episode out within two to three weeks. But um, until then, thanks for hanging with us. If you like the podcast, please share it. Um, it'd be really helpful and just to get the word out. Rob, what's your email address? podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com perfect if you have any thoughts on this podcast or episodes in the past please email us let us know um and i think that's all i got i did update the um website um if you 
type in CTJ podcast, it will redirect to our website. That is great. So I, I got that domain because I was tired of typing in Coffee it's Theology. so Jesus. annoying. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can do something with the email as well to cool. shorten it. But until... Until then, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a great night. Here come your ravens.